0: The Prowler. Hello and welcome everyone to Dr. P's Daily Time Machine. This is the first episode today, so I won't bore you with too long of an introduction. This is what I would consider one of the most interesting and different old time radio shows of the time. Today we listen into what was one of the earliest versions of reality entertainment. Some even refer to it as a precursor to the TV show Cops, just thirty five years beforehand. This show is called Nightwatch, and it aired from 1954 to 1955. Similar to Dragnet, which also featured real cases, with the names changed to protect the innocent, Watch also follows real cases, except with a very important difference. The crimes are recorded as they're happening. Recorded by host Don Reed alongside Sergeant Ron Perkins on the shift from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., the show was recorded in Culver City, California. During that time, Culver City was experiencing a population boom almost doubling over the last decade, and with that came an increase in crime, and the majority of that crime was committed during these six to two hours. Nightwatch has received some criticism for sounding like sections are scripted, and no doubt some of the internal discussions seem to feature nervous and short conversations. However, this show is very real. In fact, the host, Don Reed was shot and stabbed during the recording of the show. Other issues refer to the unique presentation of the show. It is presented without music, and the sound can be, at times, difficult to understand, but it gets better after the first minute or so. I've done my best to try to improve it as much as I can. Due to recording limitations at the time, editing had to be performed by literally cutting the physical tape to take out profanity and other content from it. I won't spoil any specifics about this particular episode, but it is called Nude Prowler, from April 5th, 1954. It tells the tale of a peculiar arrest and a grisly murder, but is everything as it seems? Sit back, close your eyes, and be transported back 68 years to the back of a police car as it starts The Night Watch.
1: 5-4 Foreign Service, starting mileage 6428, 6428. Detectives Perkins and Walter. Police Recorder Don Reed. Central District Patrol, Tour of Duty, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the night watch. 5-4, mileage
2: 6428, patrolling Central District, six o four p.m., starting night watch.
3: This is Don Reed. I'm a police recorder. The sounds you are listening to are real. This is a police car reporting in service for night duty. You will actually ride with this detective unit and follow the activities of the police officers in this car. You will watch and listen with me as the cases unfold. And as you listen, remember the people you hear are not actors, and all the voices and sounds are authentic. For this is Night Watch.
4: Night Watch. For the first time through the medium of network radio, the actual on the scene report of your police force in action. There are no actors, there is no script. The investigations are recorded as they actually occur. Night Watch, presented with the cooperation of the Police Department of Culver City, California, W.N. Hildebrand, Chief. We switch you to car 5 4, now on patrol, and to police recorder Don Reed.
3: Just uh, checking our log. At uh, six thirty-one p.m. this date, we uh, took a stolen car report and arranged transportation home for the victim. Seven thirty-two p.m. assisted West Los Angeles Police at the scene of a traffic accident. Cleared. Eight twenty-two p.m. It might be interesting to note. All units in the vicinity.
4: At twenty ninety-one
1: Hazelton. That's
2: two zero nine one Hazelton. A four five nine.
3: 5-4, roger, we're rolling. Well, there's our call, and uh, a reported 459. That means a burglar. A burglar is in the house and has been cited by some citizen, or perhaps even the victim, we don't know. We have no further information on it, and we're taking off and moving as rapidly as conditions allow. Now, code 2, which we are running, is uh, means we just have our red light on. We're not using a siren for quite obvious reasons. We don't want to tip off our presence. Now, one thing in particular that I can feel as we're running in here on these last few seconds, I can feel the tension that has suddenly come over the car. I know I, I personally feel it. A moment ago, we were cruising along, the conversation was casual, and suddenly there comes this call, a burglar, which uh, in terminology of the police department, of course, is a 459. We're coming into the area now where uh, the burglar has been reported. We've traveled perhaps, uh, I'd say, two and a half to 3 miles since our call was originally received. Our car is now watching for the street. We'll turn off to the right when it happens. As a matter of fact, this is it, I believe, up ahead. Our red light has been turned off now. We're in second gear, slowing down. No, apparently this is, yes it is too, this is the street. And uh, now our car lights have gone off. We're driving completely in the dark. The officers are watching both sides of the sidewalk to see if we can see any person at all of suspicious nature. And this parent leaves the house right off to the right. I notice the officers observing. And we're coming in now, moving out as quietly as possible. The officers are getting out of the car, and we'll be right along behind them. Going up the walk as I'm talking. Up on the front porch, there's a a gentleman who is uh, motioning the officers uh, into the house. Let's move right on in. Uh, Standing across from me in the bedroom door is a middle aged woman uh, clutching a bathrobe to her throat and appears to be in a very highly nervous condition. The um, officers are questioning her about uh, the prowler. Let's uh, move right on over.
5: Whoever he was, the came and I went into the bathroom and he was in this room and I thought it was my daughter. And then I was in the bathroom and he walked right in the bathroom and I went to go out and he gave me a shove. And I started screaming naturally then. My husband ran out of here and my daughter just came in. Mm-hmm. See? And he was gone by the time she came back in. Could you
3: tell me, what did he look like, ma'am?
5: He was taller than you was because he pushed me and he had a white shirt on and a tie.
3: Was he a young man? Oh, yes,
5: he was a younger man. And when he went to shove me, I screamed. And he wasn't, uh, don't let me out of the bathroom, you know. And whenever, as soon as he put me there, I, I noticed he had gray trousers and a white shirt and a tie. And he was, he was taller than you are. He must have come in this room first and dropped his coat. I don't know whether he knew these knew, knew the houses or whether he mixed them up. They don't mm-hmm. get much
3: oh, to We found a, uh, a coat. The officers discovered a coat with a name in it, unquestionably. I'm moving out of the house now as I'm speaking. And, uh, that was, uh, the mother of you. I'm uh, moving away now, and unquestionably, we will go on an investigation and determine uh, just who and uh, what this uh, man is. The officers now are checking to see if he is still in the neighborhood. Uh, right now, we'll move back to our car. Here in our uh, police car again. And I've uh, just been informed by one of the officers that uh, while we were in the house on this investigation, Control-1 has received a second prowler call uh, just a couple of blocks from here, as a matter of fact. Another car has been dispatched to application. So, uh, in all units in vicinity. At two o three six Evergreen, they're holding a prowler there now. Uh, five four, this may be your four five nine suspect wanted on your present call. Five four, Roger. Well, this uh, this very possibly is a tie-in somewhere on that case. I mean, where is that, Sergeant? It's right down at the end of this block, uh, Don. I think it's the house there with a the light on, it, right at the corner. Right, check. We're uh, coming to a stop now. And sliding in, our lights are out, we're skidding into a stop. And, uh, now let's, uh, get out with the officers and determine exactly what's happening. This very possibly... He's
2: right in there, officer. Okay, thanks. Yes.
3: Come on, doc. Following the officers on into the house now, as we're going in, into the main room. And this very possibly may be the suspect that we're, we're looking for. He is in the bedroom, or rather the bathroom, of a private home. The officers are in with him, and uh, he is standing in the nude at the present time. The officers have called for a blanket. He's putting putting up quite a fight about this whole thing. And
2: uh, I'll see if I can
3: move in there. I can't quite get near enough to him now to pick up his voice, because, as I said, the man in this case, the suspect, is completely nude, and they are throwing a uh, blanket around him. All right, you've been placed under arrest. Let's go while the prisoner is being escorted out of the house. And I'm uh, tagging along behind now as, as I'm speaking. He is uh, handcuffed with uh, just a blanket pulled up around him. Outside of the door now, the prisoner is being placed in the back seat of uh, Unit 5 with an officer guarding him. Well, that means uh, for us, next stop, uh, police headquarters. It's uh, 10.05 p.m., and uh, I'm standing here at the booking desk in the Culver City Police Station. The suspect was positively identified by two of the victims a few moments ago. The uh, suspect is being brought out of the detention room now. You probably can hear the cell door open, and two of the officers are directing the prisoner toward the booking desk. And incidentally, he is uh, still handcuffed, and his only clothing is that blanket pulled around him. Uh, sergeant Perkins is about to book the prisoner. What happened tonight? What
2: happened tonight? Yeah. How'd you get involved? Chapter's name is Murphy, your sergeant's name is I don't know what. Add the two together and you have how I got involved. How'd you get in that house down there? The house belonged to me, Sergeant. How about the other two houses? They too belong to me, Sergeant. Do you own property, do you? Indeed, I do. Where are your clothes? Officer, may I ask you a question? Have you ever in your house this is your own individual house. Ever gone to the bathroom without your trousers on? Sure, my own house. Right. That house in which this particular officer and officer is it, a sergeant, there are about five or six properties in the city of Santa Monica that I own. Uh, this is the city of Culver City, not the city of Santa Monica, and these people are signing complaints against you. Is that correct? Right. Okay, and I suggest that you check with the people, themselves. Well. Here is your property, slip? Okay. So what property you don't have?
1: And you're being booked on suspicion of 459, which is burglary, and attempt assault. Right.
2: What? I say I'm fully aware of that. Okay. When take 30s hand piss off, i mm-hmm. put them on the mm-hmm. right uh, Would I be going too far to ask for a pair of trousers? We don't have any. We buddies are going to try to get some for you. Just a please. May I finish talking about it? Okay. Would you do me one favor? What's that? Call district attorney. Do you know the district attorney? No, not directly. I'm not sure you'll wait like till Monday morning then. No I, no, I don't think so either. I think perhaps you better call now. Taking his handcuffs off and putting back in May I say one thing? I asked you. I made a request. We're have on Monday morning. I have, wait a minute. Before you go any further, I have committed no crimes. Remember this. I have asked for a request to call the district attorney, and you have said no, right? Take them
3: back. That's
2: all. Know. Thank you. When you're demoted Monday
3: morning, come see me. We have uh, moved over here to the night watch commander's office, where he and uh, Sergeant Perkins have been conferring on the many reports necessary in this case. I I think we're about ready to clear,
1: uh, right, Sergeant? In just a minute, Don. Uh, By the way, you might be interested in one or two other developments that have occurred. Mm -hmm. Really? Uh, A friend of the suspect came to the station a short while ago and brought some clothes for the prisoner. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, volunteered the information that the suspect did not, to his knowledge, only the property he claimed he did during our interrogation. I see. And by the way, he also stated the prisoner had been a guest of honor at a stag party given earlier this evening. Really? Yeah, he was scheduled to be married tomorrow.
4: You are listening to Night Watch. For the first time through the medium of network radio, the on the scene activities of a detective unit on their tour of duty. The people are not actors, and the voices and sounds are authentic. The investigations are recorded as they actually occur. And now to continue the action on Night Watch. We return you to police recorder Don Reed on patrol in police car 54.
3: It's uh, well past midnight on the Night Watch, and I'm speaking from the Culver City Police Station. We've been out on patrol until a few moments ago when we were advised to report back to headquarters. Once again, we're. Uh... Returning to the office of the Chief of Detectives, Lieutenant Bob Conlon.
4: Hi, Lieutenant, Uh, did you call me? Yes, Perkins. You know, we had a homicide here a short time ago. I'm working on another angle of the case, and we have two new witnesses. I want you to take their statements, then re-question the murder suspect. When you're finished, report back to me. Where are the witnesses? They're waiting in the next office. Right, Lieutenant.
1: Evening, gentlemen. I'd like to have a statement from both of you. I'd like to talk to you first, if I may, sir. Now, I understand that you met this man in question earlier tonight in a bar. You had a conversation with him. What did you say to him? I
6: said, come on, have a drink. So he said, all right. He said, what do you have? And he said, uh, whiskey sour, so. I went
5: and bought
6: the whiskey sour, and he said, I'm going to kill that
5: woman. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her.
6: So I said, after all, I said, you got a wife, you got a kid, and I said, your daughter. I said, would you want your uh, kids to think you was a murderer? He stomped out the side door, and that's all I saw the man. You, has
1: this man ever threatened her before, do you know? Yes,
6: he did. Huh? He told me he was going to kill her before. He told me that.
1: Well, I'll uh, tell you what I would like to have you do uh, is to write down in your own words, It's exactly what you told us here. And uh, so that we can use it
3: on the coroner's inquest. The first witness is going over to a table in the corner. And it's interesting to note that the statement just heard may be the first step in changing the entire complexion of this case. And now the sergeant is going to continue.
1: Now as the second witness, I'd like to have your statement, please. How long have you known this
5: man? Well, I should say I know him around about... uh, 12 or 15 years. About 12 or 15 years. Have you ever heard him threaten uh, to kill this woman before?
1: Yes. What uh, What words did he use? Do you remember any of the words?
5: called her wino. and said, I'll kill that old drunk wino some of these days if she don't get to doing better. He said, I'm trying to, to raise her up and build her up to do something right. I said, and you can't uh, do it by killing her. How long ago was this? Uh, well, that's about, about the last week. Okay? About last week. And uh, what else did he say? He said to me, uh, I think it was Thursday. He said, that old bag of bones is, is, is the killer my life. He says she's a ruin. He said, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. was the last thing I do. I told him, I said, listen, I said, you've got uh, two children. You've got a boy that's grown up. And you've got a girl that's about 12 years old. I said, don't you ever think about them? I said, why don't you walk off? He has
1: committed physical violence on her before, oh, is it? Yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to have you do, if you'll do the same as this other gentleman, and just write down in your own words uh, just what you've told us here, so that we can use it in the coroner's inquest. The two witnesses are
3: just leaving the room now. And glancing down the hall, I can see the murder suspect arriving in custody of an officer. And in these last few seconds, I'd like to point out the very unusual situation. But you've heard both witnesses state that this man had threatened to kill the woman. But entering the door now is the irony of this case. Because it's the woman that shot and killed him.
6: Can you sit down over here, please? Right my man.
1: There you are. Now, I'd like to have you tell me in your own words just exactly what happened last night.
7: I went around and turned all my lights on like I do to try to keep them scared away. And I put my kittens to bed early because I have to take them to the garage. And I got them man and locked the door and got in. So then naturally I don't figure to get out no more. I'm afraid to even go out in my yard. And I was going to take a bath and something. I don't know, I just felt afraid to even strip off because I never know when he's going to be at the door, you know. And I just seemed to have that feeling. So I decided, well, I'll soak my feet and then I'll take my bath and shampoo my hair in the morning. So I went on up to go in the kitchen to fix some coffee, because I always drink coffee again after dinner. And I'm in there, and I had this light right in that patio there by the kitchen, and all of a sudden the light went off. You just turn it like that, but I could see him, clearer. You know, just right there in my face, and began to threaten me, and... He says, I told you I was going to get you, and I've come to get you tonight. But I've come to kill you tonight. And I sa- made the remark then. I said, you know, I've got a gun too. So I said, I wouldn't talk like that. And I figured maybe he got afraid. And he went up the walk and started up the street. And then he had his car that time. And he sat there for quite a while. I opened the front door. The screen door was hooked. Open. And I opened the front door and stood there. I'd say he'd sit there a good 10 minutes, or it seemed that long or more. And then he come to this other window. This is the window on the
1: driveway in the bedroom?
7: Yes, he came to that one.
1: Where were I, you at that time? I
7: was in my room. I had already stripped off, and I was sitting on my bed. And that is in the
1: front bedroom.
7: Yes. I, I thought, well, i got to go in there and see if I can get him going again. And I went in, and I talked to him, and he said, I'm coming in after you. And he had the screen either off or pulled out at that time, even when I went in. You know, in other words, he was clear to me through that hole. And so I kept talking to him. He said he wasn't leaving, he was coming in. And I said, I've got a gun here. And I even showed it, I held it right out in front Where was
1: the gun at that time? It
7: was laying right there on that dresser, right the dress. by the window. I said, see, I've got a gun in my hand. I said, if you try to come in, I'll shoot. He said, go ahead and shoot. He says, you and wouldn't do it or something. I don't know the words he said. He said, anyway, I'm coming in after you. And he kept on coming. To, and he started he did, coming to the window then? That's when he started to make his lunch in. And, and I pulled the trigger and then he started cursing me.
1: And how far away were you from him at the time that you fired
7: Well, I prostitute. couldn't have been very far because I was up right up there talking, you know, I'm standing there by the well, dresser. How many feet were you from him? From? <laughs> I couldn't say. I, uh, the window say like that and the dresser. About three feet away? Couldn't have been any farther than that, I don't think. I just reached here and uh, the window there and I'm standing there. As I said, I held it and I, said, I showed him the guy. And... Uh,
1: well, after you fired, what did he do then? Did
7: He He started cursing me, and then he takes off up the drive to the front door. Then what happened? Well, I come from, that when I heard him do that, I didn't even know I'd hit him. So I come through, and I laid the gun up here where they picked it up, and I walk up to watch, because I've got a double lock on the mm-hmm. door, and he'd have a pretty hard time getting in the, in the door. And I come up, and the porch light was on, and I looked, and he was... At the door, but just about the time I got there, he just went back like that. He fell back, did he? he fell back.
1: And he collapsed on the, on the front porch? Right there,
7: and I must have hit him because he fell.
1: And then did you call the police after that? Yes. And then the radio he car came, said so it? I'll find Okay, fine. Thank you very much.
3: It's 1.45 uh, a.m., and we're uh, back here in the office of Lieutenant Conlon, where he's been studying the statements given by the two witnesses that... Uh, Sergeant Perkins, interviewed a short while ago. Well, uh, does that wrap up the case, Lieutenant? Yeah, Don, that's about it. Sometimes a police investigation may point
4: up a person's guilt or clear them of any connection with a crime. Or, still
3: again, as in this case, may tend to show the suspect's action to be justified. Well, with that, it just means completing formal reports and submitting them to the district attorney for action. From then on, it's up to the court's.
4: Ladies and gentlemen. Police Chief
6: W.N. Hildebrand. In the case of the Prowler tonight, he was subsequently booked for violation 459 of the penal code, which is burglary, and section 240 of the penal code, assault. The penalty of which is 1 to 15 years in the state prison for burglary or up to 6 months in the county jail for assault. In the case of the homicide involving the woman who shot the man as he attempted to break into her home, the Detective Bureau, under Lieutenant Bob Conlon, submitted their reports and testimony to the Los Angeles County Coroner at the inquest, where a verdict of justifiable homicide was rendered. In turn, the suspect was released from custody. Over 100,000 people come through our city each week making our city one of the most heavily populated in the state of California. My department is cooperating in bringing you the activities of the night watch in the interest of public security. No police department can be effective without the combined efforts of the citizens and the realization of the problems encountered by their officers. If through this program our department can further that cause, then our efforts will be well rewarded in bringing you The Night Watch. Thank you, Chief Hildebrand. You
4: have just heard through the medium of network radio on-the-scene reports of your police force in action. Every voice, every sound has been real. Night Watch is brought to you through the cooperation of the Police Department of Culver City, California and is produced by Sterling Tracy and Jim Headlock with technical advice by Police Sergeant Ron Perkins and is described in the field
3: by police recorder
4: Don Reed.
3: It's, uh, 2.30 a.m., and we're just pulling into the police garage. Well, that about wraps it up, huh, Sergeant? Yeah, except for making out the laws. Control on to 5-4. Are you
1: clear? Excuse me Wait a minute, Don. 5-4, Roger. Clear and reporting out of service.
2: Check 5-4. 2:31 a.m. End of night watch.